Welcome to Accented Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. When President Donald Trump, on the 5th of December, recognised Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, he not only effectively endorsed Israel's de facto annexation of East Jerusalem, which Palestinians claim as their own, He also radically altered the direction of American foreign policy in the Middle East. In a short speech delivered at the White House, Trump directed the State Department to start making arrangements to move the US Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Trump said, My announcement today marks the beginning of a new approach to the conflict between Israel and the Palestinians. The president's announcement provoked condemnation from US allies and a furious reaction from Palestinian leaders and the Muslim world. Within minutes of Trump's announcement, US embassies in Turkey, Jordan, Germany and Britain issued security alerts urging Americans to exercise caution. And predictably, there were clashes on the streets of Gaza and the West Bank. Some are describing the particular level of political resistance, a third intifada. Of course, Palestinian resistance to Israeli occupation goes beyond this most recent provocation from Trump and will no doubt continue long after he's gone, until Palestinians are free. But to understand the current provocation, what's happening in Palestine and what the future is for the Palestinian struggle, I speak with Palestinian woman and activist Samah Sabawi. Samah is a playwright with a focus on the Palestinian struggle. Some of her most notable plays are Tales of a City by the Sea, described as a Palestinian story of love and separation, and also Cries from the Land. Samah is also active in the international BDS campaign the boycotts, divestments and sanctions campaign against Israeli apartheid. I spoke with Samar Zabawi and started off by asking her what the significance is of Trump's announcement. Israel has annexed uh, East Jerusalem um, and the annexation of East Jerusalem uh, has, since the 1967 Six-Day War, has been viewed by the international community as uh, as illegal. Uh, basically, in 1967, when Israel expanded its, its territory beyond the 1948 armistice line, which the international community views as Israel's borders, um, the uh, UN Security Council passed a resolution calling on Israel to withdraw from land it occupied uh, by force and, and refuse the acquisition of territory by war. And so since 1967, Um, international law has been clear about what Israel's borders, uh, what what was acceptable as Israel's borders within the 1948 line, and what it deemed as as illegally occupied. And so since then, and and especially over the last uh, two decades, the talk about a Palestinian state and a two-state solution um, to the conflict has been based on this um, resolution 242, 242, 
242, I'm sorry. And so the the significance of this is, is that Trump has actually gone and made a move against international law and has um, agreed to uh, give Israel blessings for uh, the land that it has occupied illegally. Uh, so that's, that's within that context. For the Palestinians, what it means is it's a confirmation of uh, two things. It's a confirmation that, um, that the U.S. is not uh, an honest broker to the negotiations. Now, the Palestinians have known that for a very long time, but the Palestinian leadership has uh, insisted on trying to continue with the, with the charade of negotiations in the hope that, uh, that it gains legitimacy uh, for its cause and for creating uh, a Palestinian state if it continued on the path of working with, with the United States. That's no longer the case, so that's one thing. And the other thing that it really means is that there, there, is, there has never been and there is not going to be um, uh, any kind of peace along the two-state solution offered uh, that's going to come from the holes of power, from the international community, which, although it has viewed the land as being occupied and it has passed resolutions as such, has done nothing for decades to actually enforce international law. Um, so the Palestinians are, are right now, uh, the Palestinian people are saying to the leadership, we've wasted enough time. Um, the two-state solution has been dead and buried uh, for a long time. Um, this announcement only... Uh, cements what, or, or, or uh, confirms what we have known for, for a long time. It's time now to move in a different direction. Predictably, we've seen clashes in the streets of Gaza and the West Bank since this announcement was made. What can you tell us about what's happening there? I think the people are, are very angry uh, and for a very good reason. They're angry because for years, they have put their faith in this uh, idea that there will be a Palestinian state created, and um, and in they've put their faith uh, in the Oslo process, uh, the peace process, and they're angry because after all of the time that they've wasted, Israel continued to expand, the settlements continued to expand, they've lost um, a lot of land, lives, resources, uh, and. And now they're, they're just saying enough is enough. Um, Jerusalem is a very important spiritual um, place, religious place. It has a significant, great significance for the Palestinian people. Uh, and the promise of a Palestinian state with East Jerusalem as its capital um, is no longer something that the international community is going to deliver on. Um, the U.S. is a, a, a big player. And... Um, you know, for, for Trump to say that, you know, we're just dealing with reality. Well, the reality is the Palestinians have been on this land for centuries, and they're not being recognized. The reality is the Palestinians will continue to be on this land, um, and they want to call now for equal rights. They want this pain to stop. They want the occupation to stop. They want to feel that, uh, that they're being heard and that they're being seen and that they're not just being played as pawns in an endless process um, that will uh, continuously be causing an erosion of their lives and, and their existence. 
How have other states responded to Trump's provocation? How much support do you think he'll get for the proposal? Well, so far, um, he's gotten very little uh, support. Um, recently, uh, we've seen all the uh, all the major players um, being very vocally critical uh, at the UN of of this move. Um, he's got, you know, the US is is looking like it's being isolated on the on the international stage. Um, so he's not getting support right now. But that's where the Palestinians know that they've got to be loud and clear because um, what is today is not necessarily going to be the same as what is tomorrow. And unless we take charge of, of our destiny as, as Palestinians, and unless we, we make the world hear us and, and see us, um, this could be just another uh, step towards more and more uh, empowerment of Israel. Now, the actual move within itself, I have to say, um, as far as the U.S. goes, it's not, it's not that big a deal when you compare it to the billions of dollars that get poured into Israel's arms industry and uh, historically that, that, they, that the U.S. has invested in Israel. Um, so, you know, recognizing Jerusalem as a capital in the big scheme of things, when you look at how much money in, in aid and in, in support for, for Israel's military industry that the U.S. gives and the vetoes at the U.N. Security Council um, that the U.S. has always been in support of Israel. So it, it's not that big a deal in that sense, but the reality is it just exposes um, exposes the position um, of, of the U.S. And, you know, Hanan Ashrawi um, has said in many interviews uh, that now the U.S. Uh, is seen as not an honest broker. Well, the U.S. has not been seen as an honest broker for a very long time, but the, uh, the Palestinian leadership has continued to play the game. And so I think the outrage that you're seeing in the streets in Gaza and in the West Bank is not really just aimed at Trump or at Israel. It's also sending a message to the Palestinian leadership um, that says enough is enough. We, we don't want this anymore. We know that um, you have wasted enough of our time. Um, rather than trying to gain your legitimacy as leaders from the international community, you have got to get your legitimacy from us, the Palestinians. And I think right now the Palestinian Authority lacks that legitimacy from its own people. And so it, it, the anger is not just aimed at, um, at the Trump's decision, it's also aimed at the Palestinian Authority continuing on with, with the charade. There is another way to look at Trump's provocation, and that is a declaration of war against the Middle East. And even though you said that there are very few states that will come in in support of the US and that they're very isolated in this particular manoeuvre, if what we view it as is honestly a manoeuvre to move the capital of Israel to Jerusalem, um, if we look at it as something else, that is a declaration yeah. of war. The question becomes, who will enter that war with the US? And I wonder, do you have a different answer to that question? Yeah, well, look, absolutely. We, we know that what, what, um, what governments say uh, is not necessarily um, something that means anything tangible. And, and I'll speak directly to the Australian government. The Australian government, for example, has supported a two-state solution. 
Uh, that's been the policy of Australia for a very long time. And yet, when was the last time uh, anyone in the Australian, um, uh, you know, at, at the official capacity in, in foreign affairs, in, in the foreign affairs department, when was the last time anyone has actually said that we need to sanction Israel for violating international law and for making it uh, impossible for a Palestinian state to exist? So, you know, the international community has been saying that they support um, an end to the occupation and a two-state solution, but this has only been in words, and, and the actual tangible support has been going towards uh, empowering and emboldening Israel, um, which is a state that is uh, oppressive and it's, a, it, it, it's, a, it's an ethnocentric state. It's a state that gives privilege to the Jewish people um, and, and treats its Palestinian indigenous population um, at best within the 1948 borders of second-class citizens. But, of course, um, in the West Bank and in the Gaza Strip, um, it treats them uh, with, 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 with a lot less than that. So it's, we're looking at Palestinians being held under siege uh, in the Gaza Strip, um, bombarded at will, used as, as, as uh, uh, an experiment for, for Israel's weapons that it sells to the world. Um, so I think there is a, a big gap between what is said and, and the, the tangible, real support um, behind the words that are being uttered. And so, look, when you're looking at the big scheme of things in terms of Israel in the Middle East, um, you know, there's been a lot of reports coming out about Saudi Arabia's support, for example, of Israel's plans, um, and, uh, and that there's a lot of pressure being put by Saudi Arabia on Mahmoud Abbas to accept what is being called as uh, the deal of the century, Trump's deal, uh, which is a deal not really to, to bring peace uh, to the Palestinians. It's a deal to ensure Israel's security as an apartheid state. Um, so, you know, it, that's the reality that we have to deal with. And so we don't have a, a great faith in international uh, community to act. We need to empower ourselves as people, um, and uh, we need to be able to uh, chart a course for our own destiny. And on community radio stations right across Australia, you're listening to Accent of Women. I'm speaking with Samah Zabawi, Palestinian activist and playwright. We're discussing the implications of Donald Trump's announcement on the 4th of December to recognise Jerusalem as the capital city of Israel and to shift the United States Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Well, we've also seen that Trump's anti-Muslim migration policy is back in effect with virtually no media scrutiny. Do you think these two things are linked in some way? Well... Yes, they are. I mean, Islamophobia and the far right and um, the, the far right Zionist groups have been in bed together for a very long time, and they feed on each other. And uh, it's it's horrendous to see um, how we've been able to push the envelope in terms of what is what we're accepting as allowable speech or allowable platforms for debate. Um, and that's, you know, another reality that we live with, and that's why we have to be more uh, vigilant than ever about uh, speaking up for, for human rights and for international law and for the universal declarations of rights, um, not just for us as Palestinians, 
but for a lot of the other um, causes around the world. It's not an isolated thing. Uh, what happens in, in Palestine, oppression in Palestine, spreads to other parts of the world. And we see that with uh, crowd, uh, you know, uh, controlling crowds, for example, in protests elsewhere, um, firing tear gas at protesters, um, detention centers for refugees, uh, walls and more walls, and, and, and people are losing rights. Uh, democracies are... are going backwards instead of, of forwards, and we're losing our liberties over this idea of a war on terror, which in effect is a war on our civil liberties um, anywhere in, in this world. So it's all connected, um, and, and we have to be aware of this connection, and, and we have to not be hypocritical. So what I want for myself, I have to want for, for other people as well. I want equality. I want freedom. I want justice. I want my civil liberties to be intact. Uh, and that's what the Palestinians want, and that's what they're craving for. Well, of course, the Palestinian struggle is much larger than this most recent provocation by Trump. Some people are calling the heightened level of protest and resistance that is going on right now a third intifada. But to be honest, I've heard this story before. And I guess my question is, what level of protest and resistance constitutes an intifada? And in your opinion, is that what we are currently seeing at the moment in Palestine? Well, that's a good question, um, and it's really hard to predict if 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 it qualifies as an intifada at this point because it depends on the longevity of it, how much, uh, how long can they carry it for? I can tell you what the challenges are to have a proper intifada in Palestine, and why we haven't been able to 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 have one in spite of the terrible things that have taken place in Palestine. The war uh, on Gaza in 2014 should have triggered an intifada, and it didn't. Um, and then the the Al-Aqsa um, intifada that didn't last for very long that we've seen in recent years. The, the reason that the biggest challenge we have to actually having uh, popular resistance grow and and uh, on a continuum in Palestine is, is the Palestinian Authority. It's the fact that the Palestinian leadership has an agreement, uh, a, a security collaboration agreement with Israel, with the state that occupies the Palestinian people and oppresses them. And so there's these, we've got these layers of oppression. And un, unless, and until, sorry, we are able to, to not have these layers, until we're able to directly deal with the oppressors, the Israelis, the ones who are responsible um, in the first place for everything that's going on in Palestine, whether it be in Gaza or in the West Bank, resistance becomes difficult to carry out. And we've seen examples of this. Where resistance has um, is, is the strongest is where the Palestinian Authority, where, you know, where it's far away from the centers of power of the Palestinian Authority. Um, and so that is a challenge that we have. And this um, current uh, um, intifada, let's just call it mini intifada for now, but this, this current um, uprising that we're seeing in Palestine has the potential to overthrow the Palestinian Authority. And I think really that is the biggest fear for Israel and for the Trump administration, because what they would like to see is they would like to see 
um, Mahmoud Abbas, uh, keep a lid on things in Palestine, keep the Palestinians pacified and under control, and continue on with some kind of a facade of negotiations. And we've already seen a direction, uh, the Palestinian Authority going in that direction, because now they're saying they, they need to find another mediator, uh, not, the, 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 not the U.S., but they need to find another mediator. And it, it begs the question, you know, was the problem really the mediator, or was it the process? Or was it the Palestinian Authority? And um, I believe that it's, it's a combination of all three things. Um, even if they go to a different mediator, we still have the same Palestinian Authority, which um, has security collaboration with Israel, which is there to make Israel's occupation um, uh, continue at no cost to Israel. Um, at the, you know, at the, 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 the international community is paying for the salaries of the, the Palestinian Authority. Um, and, and so that if that stays in place, uh, what have we really changed? So it's the process that needs to go, and it's the Palestinian Authority that needs to go, um, and, not, uh, and not that they need to find another mediator, which is the direction that they're, they're going towards right now. Well, in relation to, you know, not this mediation process, but something else, like the grassroots movements, Specifically, looking at grassroots movements in neighbouring Arab countries, how much support is there um, being given to the fighters in Palestine? Do you think it's possible for Palestinians to win this struggle alone? Or do you think it'll take all the working masses of the Middle East to fight together against Israel? I think the reason that the Middle East is, is not progressing forward is because the Palestinian-Israeli conflict has not been solved. Um, the day that the Palestinian-Israeli conflict is, is solved and the Palestinians have their freedom is the day that you can topple the regimes in other countries in the Arab world. Um, because that's the day when, when the most powerful country in the Arab world, which is Israel, um, which is an oppressive country, it's a, a militarized country, it's an ethnocentric country, if that if if that apartheid regime falls, then we have hope in in the whole neighborhood. Um, I think there's a lot of support for for Palestinians in the street in Arab countries, um, and we've seen that we've seen that with protests over Al Aqsa. Um, in in just about every Arab country, there's been protests um, for for Al Aqsa. But I don't think we need to look for them to support us. I think Palestinians need to do two things. Uh, internally, they need to have a strong popular movement for resistance. And externally, they need to um, continue to grow the, uh, the boycott, divestments, and sanctions movement. And, and it is growing. Uh, and we have a lot of support from people all around the world uh, for boycott, divestments, sanctions. Um, these two things need to go hand in hand. Uh, and we're, we're almost, we're getting there. I think, I think uh, externally the, the BDS movement is doing really well and it continues to appeal to people's conscience. It continues to appeal um, to people's morals. It's, it's, a, it's a movement that is based on international law and the universal declarations of rights. It's a movement that calls for equality, for justice and freedom, and we can understand these concepts, and we can support them as people of the world. 
again, when I when we look at the internal struggle in inside Palestine, um, the challenge is always going to be with the leadership um, and and the fact that it does stand in the way of popular resistance growing. Well, my last question is a big one. It always is. Where to from here for the Palestinians? What will it take to win? Palestinians will continue um, to stand up and to refuse to uh, be broken. Uh, You know, we're talking about almost 70 years of... um, ongoing oppression and ethnic cleansing, and they're not broken. They are resilient. They are an inspiration, really. When you, when you, when you visit Palestine, your life changes. Um, these are very strong people. They are the indigenous people of the land. They have very strong ties to the land, and they will continue to be there and to exist and to fight for their right to belong to their ancestral land and their right to be uh, treated with dignity, with equality and to be given their freedom. That was Samar Sabawi, Palestinian activist and playwright. And that's all we have time for on today's program of Accent of Women. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally by the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to accentofwomen at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website. That's 3cr.org.au. Go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Giselle Hanna and I look forward to your company again next week.